fun to be with you guys. Like the daylight. It's also fun having half of our church maybe on spring break or enjoying the sunshine. Um, no, that's okay. If you want to come closer, there's space, I promise. Um, we're very family here, so we aren't scary. My kids might run around and cry or fall down <laughs> while I'm talking, <laughs> and that's just part of it. Um, but I'm so thankful I get to be here. If you're wondering where Julian and Katia are, no, I'm not Katia, obviously. I don't have a wonderful British accent and this short, um, and speak with fire, but I do. Okay, um, they are in South Carolina with the family, um, and they are ministering there to some incredible friends of ours um, and a church there, actually one of my old bosses, which is really fun. Um, so they're there um, this weekend, and when they go, we actually get to be a part of what God's doing in different parts of the country, or whenever our team goes, and ministers in other places. So we actually, as a family, get to be a part of what they're doing, and we bless what they're doing. So I'm just, we're going to pray for them first. I know Katia has two other meetings that she's speaking at today, um, and so wherever you are, we're just going to pray. So Father, I thank you for the Adams. I thank you God, that you are with them and their children on this trip as they have spring break even. God, I pray that there would be um, a miraculous move of your spirit and amidst them. I pray that that church is blessed. I pray that the leadership is encouraged and refreshed. I pray that this weekend would even be family memories for them and the children, God. We thank you that what you're doing there, we also get to receive from. So God, we receive um, from what you're doing and we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. That's where they are. Okay, I'm Ash as Jeff, Jesh, not Jeff. My beautiful husband <laughs> is with the kids. And we moved here three years ago. If you're new, um, we moved here to help be a part of this community. And we're so grateful um, for all that God's doing. And we have been in a series that Katia started in January. So actually, don't worry, I'm not going to give you 15 pages of notes don't worry. But I have been told about this message for a long time because we planned this, which we don't normally do, in January where we all got scheduled different aspects of the book of Exodus. And so I don't know if you've been with us. The last two weeks we took a little break and we had Bishop Andrew with us, which was powerful. Katia shared last week. And now we're jumping back into Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump in. We're on Exodus 13. Jesh actually shared last on Exodus 12, Passover, um, and now we're going to jump right in. So you guys just turn there for me. It was so, if you haven't tracked with us during this series, it's been so powerful um, to receive, to, to actually go through scripture together as a community. Um, Katia started um, at the beginning of Exodus about um, teaching us about being a fruitful people. Um, then I think it was Julian uh, talked about the process to our purpose. It was powerful. And then even he did the next message on Moses being called. Um, and then we had Katia, one of my favorite messages, Bricks Without Straw uh, on Resistance. That so powerful. I'm giving you little nuggets because I can see at least a quarter of the room has not been with us. Um, and then Julian did a war for worship. Um, and then Josh did a, a new Passover a couple weeks ago. So now you're all caught up on 13 books of the Bible, uh, 13 chapters. And now we're jumping straight into chapter 13. So I'm going to read. And I think we, do we have it? <gasps> Amazing, because some of you guys just think the Bible's too heavy to take to church with you these days. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, so it's on the screen for us, because I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture. Um, so I want you to engage. We're going to start. Ready? Chapter 13. 
The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten today in the month of Abib you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give to you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep the service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. You guys, he's going to repeat himself. Get ready. No leavened bread shall you be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep the statue uh, as its appointed time from year to year. He's still tracking? Verse 11. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first opens the womb, all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem, if you, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to, it's time to, when in time to come, your son will ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought you, us out of Egypt. From the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly, stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrificed to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although the, that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the, by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Edom on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by the day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people people. Isn't the Bible good? Mm. And really interesting. <laughs> it's so good reading scripture together. Okay, I could talk to you about this chapter for probably the next four weeks because um, there's so much in here. Um, but what I love and wanna, what I want to start with, this picture, basically just left off last um, time we talked about Exodus. They had just experienced 
freedom and leaving. And they actually got to go with everything they asked for. They went. Um, Pharaoh finally let them go. They experienced the Passover of all their firstborns being spared. And an entire nation that didn't experience that experienced death of their firstborn. This like really pivotal moment. They're free. They leave. And now they, they're, they're not in the promised land. They're in this place that I like to call the in-between place. We are all finding ourselves in different seasons of our life in the in-between place. And what I love about this chapter, as not as exciting as it is when Aaron preaches next week on the splitting of the Red Sea, it is just as significant because the way that we walk out the in-between seasons, the waiting seasons, the I'm free but I'm not fully walking in the promises yet, or I haven't seen the healing that I believe for, or the thing that God put inside my heart, or that family member saved, this in-between space This is what the Lord says to them. He's like, listen, we're going to mark this. We're going to consecrate the firstborn, and I'm going to tell you exactly how we're going to do it. And then we're going to remember what he did before they're celebrating the final victory. It's this like small but yet significant part of their story and freedom that we're about to journey with God and, and the, the, the Israelites in. And so this is what this chapter is about. It starts with consecration. Now, it starts just start right at the beginning. It's like, okay, your firstborns are saved. Now give them all back to God. Do you know I would be like, oh, I just was spared my, oh, my, my Harrison. Like, you spared him, and now my natural response, I thought, would be like, okay, I'm going to hold him tight. Like, God, that was a close one. Whew, you passed over. The blood was over my door. Now don't touch Don't touch my son. You know, like that's how I think we are with things. And what's interesting is as soon as they walk out, he says, now consecrate the very thing that I spared, the very thing that was so precious to you that I actually kept safe and saved and rescued. I want you to give it back to me. It's so interesting that the Lord does that. And as I sat with the Lord on that, and there's so much to the story that I won't get into about actually the practicals of what it looked like for them to actually be redeemed. This is before the cross. This was a a story really about redemption. Like life in Israel was no more. You're either going to die, you're going to break the donkey's neck, it's going to die, or you're going to be redeemed. Like he actually gave them a plan of redemption. But for us when we read this, I felt like the Lord was just so clear in saying, When you know what you've been saved from, consecrating or giving it all back to him is a natural response. It's a natural response when I'm not actually going to hold it tightly because I'm going to say, I felt the nation mourn their firstborn, but I I was set apart. He passed over. He saved my firstborn, so God, you can have it. You, I trust you. I surrender. I will consecrate it. It's the natural response when we've experienced what we've been rescued from. And this is what he starts with, consecrate. And what's interesting in this part of scripture, too, is there's 400 years of slavery in the DNA of these people. And he knows if he sets this in place, it's going to start to rewire their minds to remember who they are, because they're going to keep wanting to go back to slavery. But he's saying, I know how they'll remember that I've redeemed them by consecrating, by giving it all back to the Lord. If I want to remember what he's done, I'm going to consecrate. I'm going to give it back to the Lord, and I'm going to do it. And he gave it a very beautiful way, a specific way that they were going to do this, that I'm so thankful I don't have to do anymore. 
Joshua talked about this in worship earlier. There's this remembering, a remembering aspect that they actually needed to remember what God did. And consecration was the first part of that. Consecrate. The second point I want to share is remembrance. I love remembrance. I don't know how many of you in the room have grown up in the church, but I... Uh, off and on did. But I was a remembrance girl. It was like, I'm going to grab my remembrance stone. God did this. I'm going to find that flower. Oh, that flower reminds me of what God like spoke to me quietly when I was by myself in my room or I find something. I'm, I'm very nostalgic. And so I'm like, everything is God speaking to me. And I have them all over my house. People are like, oh, where'd you get that? Well, let me tell you this story. I'm a, I am like a hoarder of remembrance stones, okay? But I love that God is, he knows that we're forgetful. He knows that we're going to forget. And so he goes, the next section is remember what I just did. And one of the ways he does this, it's so interesting. In chapter, or verse 9, I'll read it for you guys. It says, and it, it's repeated in 16. So he's giving them, do this right away as soon as you have just seen me rescue you and deliver you. But also, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it when you're in the promised land. He's giving the now and the until then, this is what you're going to do. And in verse uh, 9, it says, and it shall be to you a sign on your hand as a memorial between your eyes that the, Lord, uh, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. Um, a sign on your hand and a memorial between your eyes. It's so interesting. I don't know how many of you have studied this and actually a Jewish practice that came from this scripture, which we don't use uh, today, which I think we'd all appreciate. But they actually wore these um, these things called uh, phylacteries. And it was like this um, leather. They It was like rope kind of leather thing that was tied around their wrist with scripture that they kept in it and on their forehead. They wore it on their forehead and they wore it around their wrist. And they actually did this to remember like what the scriptures say. So it's like if we're all walking around down Boston and people see us like with these big old leather pieces sticking out and it's like they did, the, the Jewish people decided to do this because they were, I mean I love when people and other religions do this so well, they actually want to know, like they study the word. And this is so significant because Jesus, the, God knew that the people would forget, and the way that they needed to remember was to know the word of God, to remember his word, his ways of how he delivered them, but the word of God. It's like if you're wearing a watch. I don't, mine has been missing since we moved. It's a very sad story. But if you're wearing a watch, you wear it, and you know it's on you, but sometimes you, like, don't even realize it's on you. It's just, like, you have it on, and you need it, when you're like, I need to know what time it is because you're probably running late. So you have this watch on you at all times because it's to remind you of where you need to be or like the thing that you have coming. The word of God, as we prioritize as a people, remembering the word of God is so much more a part of us that at any point when I need to know, what did he say about who I am? Where did he say we were going? Remind me, God, what you say when I feel grief or despair. Remind me, God, of what's coming. And God knew before they even started on their journey, you need to know the word of God, that it would become so a part of you that when things come, instead of turning around and heading back to slavery, You'll have the word of God in you to actually walk forward and face the impossible things that are coming. Remembering his ways and the word of God. It's um, not just enough to remember. And this is where my like remembrance, um, I don't know, 
side of me actually has to be um, careful because I can remember till I'm blue in the face. I'm like, remember when he did it. Remember when I was three. Remember all these beautiful things. But then you get someone always looking like this. They're always looking this way. And it's beautiful to remember. But the piece that I love that God gives us in this scripture is that the remembrance piece, the feast, the feast of unleavened bread was a celebration remembrance is not enough. You actually have to celebrate what God did. Because if you only remember, you'll be looking back. But celebration, actually, what's so fascinating, I've been in this habit class, and Atomic Habits, I could talk to you all day long about it, but there's a part of our brain that will remember when it's marked with celebration. So when you're trying to, like, learn a new habit or put in something new in your life, and you're trying to, like, okay, I'm going to learn to wake up every morning and read the scriptures or whatever it is, if you don't add celebration to the habit, your brain actually will not be able to remember it long term. So when you get distracted or when things get busy or you go on vacation or you, all these things, the celebration actually triggers a part of your brain that puts it on automative response of like, nope, this is just what I do. Oh, this is just who I am. Like, oh, I remember God did this. So when I'm actually faced with the Red Sea, or I'm faced with an impossibility because I celebrated my brain. God was rewiring their brains to remember when things get crazy. He celebrates. He says, celebrate what I did. Don't just remember. There's power in celebration. I love to celebrate. Everyone knows if they know me in the room, I've got my, so- my Patty's Day socks ready for Friday. I got, like, stickers for the kids all over the wall. Like, I love it. But it was so kind when God was like, it's not just you being crazy. Like, this is biblical. I was like, yes, God, I love you. And it was because he said, this is how you remember. If I wake up on my birthday, I'm like, oh, it's my birthday. I'm going to, I remembered cool. (laughs) Next year on my birthday, I'm not really going to be that excited about it. I'll remember. Maybe some of us as we get older, I kind of forgot it was my birthday. But the remembering isn't enough. It's when I celebrate that I actually have hope and expectation and faith that when I have the thing I'm facing in front of me, I will remember because I've celebrated what he's done. The power of the word and the ways that we've seen him move is also paired with celebration. It allows us not just to look back, but to look forward with hope and faith and expectation. Okay, y'all with me? Okay, let's look at verse 13. We're, we're already on point three, guys. I'm getting you going. Here we are. Verse 13. Redeem with the lamb every firstborn, but if you do not break its neck, redeem every firstborn. In, sorry, verse, oh, wait just a second, everybody. Okay, tell your children, this is the next generation. Okay, the next point, I can't actually find what verse I'm on. Someone can yell out if you want to help me. 14, and when in time to come, it's t- when the time has come, your sons will ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. The next, I feel like this um, section, this even this chapter, it's um, because he knows what they're going to walk through and because he wants to actually rewire them for freedom instead of slavery, um, he's giving them a way of having a reserve. Um, not just reserve, but it's changing them. You know when um, you're studying um, 
or you're setting up finances for the first time, and they're like, okay, make a bank account, and you're going to put in a, all the stuff for emergencies. This is like a flat tire unplanned, or oh, my heater went out, or all the things that I learned the hard way that you should save for. Okay, this is what um, one aspect of not just remembering, but the next piece, telling the stories of God, it actually is putting in this, um, this like, uh, reservoir of, like, the stories of God that we've all seen and the next generations are going to need when the emergency comes, when the impossibility comes. There was power in telling the story that the next generation needed to hear what the goodness of God was like, where they came from, that they were rescued and delivered. By the time they got into the promised land, the little ones were already grown adults. There was a need of them to constantly tell the stories of God. When you're around people in faith, Tell the stories of God. It is beautiful to grieve together and to talk and process. We are good now at processing our hearts out with every good emotional health book out there. But there's a place where telling the stories of God, even if you don't feel it, will do something inside your spirit and releasing it to the next generation to have faith for what they're going to have to walk through. Telling the stories of God, he gave them, he gave them the blueprint. Remember, celebrate, now tell the stories of God to the next generation. My children, I want them to know the stories of God that we've experienced. From when I was rescued and saved out of a broken home. From when I encountered the joy of the Lord for the very first time that changed the rest of my life. I want them to know when God healed my back and totally miraculously did it. I want him to know when we decided to give everything and move to Boston, that it was because of the faith that God had given us for a city and a people that longed to know who Jesus is, tell the stories of God. It actually breathes faith to a generation that's coming up who God is so in love with and already is on in a beautiful way. But as an, oh, I'm not the older generation in the room, but as, well, maybe I, like, you know, I'm not. <laughs> but as the, an older generation or the generations above us, it is not because we know and think we know best and that you just need to get in your place. Because there are an older generation that's looking down on the next generation is like, can they just get with it? Like, are they going to ever know how to do hard work? There's like these lies that the older generation is passing of condemnation and shame to a generation that needs the faith stories of God to inspire them to know that God is going to do it. And when they face the Red Sea, they're going to remember the stories of God. They may not remember remember the scripture that you read over them in Bible study, but they're going to remember the stories of God that will allow them to walk through the impossible places. We need to be a people that tell the stories of God. I was just having dinner um, maybe a month and a half ago, Jeff and I with, I don't see them in the room, but uh, Michaela and Cole, We've never had dinner with them, but we've loved them. They, they lead worship um, here at the table. And they came over, and it was so wonderful. We didn't plan for it, but they just started. We had yummy food. It was great. Some good wine. It was awesome. We're just having a, a beautiful time together. And they started asking questions about the beginning days of the table. And Jeff and I found ourselves 
um, so encouraged afterwards. We, we knew we'd have a good time with them, but it was just asking us, like, tell us how this started. Oh, yeah, y'all were in two tiny apartments, and there was 10 of you in each room, and then you moved to the First Baptist Church with no heat in the summer and went up those three flights of stairs, and it was crazy things falling from the ceiling, and then you moved to the hotel room, and then you moved to the other hotel room, and they were asking us, like, tell the stories of God in the last few years of Boston. And can I tell you, Jeff and I, Boston, our journey has felt often like a wilderness of like, God, did we miss it? Where are you? What are you doing? All of our finances are out the window. Like we could camp there if we let ourselves. That's why telling the stories of God will fuel the place of faith inside of us to actually move forward and remember what he said to get us here in the first place. We have to tell the stories of God. The, t- the stories of God for the next generation are going to be what allows them not to have burnout or moral failure or to run out and decide to take a left turn and totally leave the faith. The stories of God for the next generation. I love, too, that this scripture includes, which is just such a funny ad to me. I love reading the Bible because I talk like this. So I'm like, God, oh, that's interesting. Um, when it talks through Joseph and that they brought with him his bones, You know, Joseph, at the end of Genesis 50, before this 430 years of slavery and the Pharaoh's ruling, and it was evil and unjust, Joseph, who walked an unjust journey of being misused, sold in slavery, totally mistreated by his own family, and then, of course, you know the story of Joseph, if you've been in the church, the way that he totally rescues the nation and brings them to the Lord and sees favor and providence in the land. Joseph, at the end of his life, they're all looking at him like, hey, this looks like it's going to be bad. <laughs> like They're all like a little nervous. So he says, I swear to you, he will do it. And when the Lord does it, bring my bones with you out of Egypt. He will. Like this promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he's going to do it. And when he does it, bring my bones with. And they're here. They're bringing his bones out of Egypt. I'm like, who's in charge of the bag of bones? Like, I don't want to be that person. But somebody was in charge of this, okay? And what's so powerful is the older generation, before this next generation was in um, lead, the older generation said, he will do it. There's a call to the older generation in this season to not be worn out by the long, hard life that they've faced, but actually to be full of faith. And they're fueling the faith for the next generation. They're fueling the flame and saying, he will do it. I don't want to be 75 and doubting the goodness of God. I want to be fueling the faith of the next generation saying, he will do it. And when he does it, bring my bones. No. I won't say that, but I really believe that this was so significant for the people of God to actually know Joseph told us, like, we forgot 430 years, whoops, we forgot, but he did it. He is faithful, and he is good, and we're going to tell the story. I just want to end on, well, I'll we got time. Okay, the, the next point. So we consecrate, we're remembering and celebrating, and we're telling the stories of God. And the next point that ends in this chapter before the glorious Red Sea, Aaron, um, is his leadership in our lives. 
there's something so beautiful about all the ways he teaches them. This is how I want you to celebrate. Remember this. Also get ready because in the promised land, you're going to remember it and do all these things because I don't want you to forget. But there's something about his leadership and their, the, their life that is so significant for us to learn. From If you look at the end, after leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Ethan. Oh, even, sorry, go a little forward or up. You know what I'm trying to say. Crossing the sea. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. The leadership, God's leadership, his lordship in our lives, he knows us so well that he actually knows that if they go the shorter route, if I give them the quick answer or the simple solution or the microwave moment, I won't be able to actually move forward because as soon as it's hard, as soon as that war comes, I'm going to go back into slavery. I'm actually going to go to the slave owners that I was oppressed by instead of following the one who rescued me as soon as I go the way that I think is best. If they knew that he was going to take them on this long way, I'm sure that we'll, be, well, we'll find out um, how they are. But I feel like there's something so significant for us as the church to be led by the Lord to know that his ways are so much better. That in the moments that you feel like this is the delay, like if you're in the, this stream of church much, you're like, I'm in a season of delay. <laughs> Everyone sits around on that for a while. Listen, he is so kind that he knows if war comes, you'll turn back. And he is so kind to us that he actually wants to give us everything we need, unwiring our brains, building us a desire for worship instead of idolatry, all the things that he does with them in these 40 years that allows them to step into a promised land that when we step into the promised land, we know he did it. There was nothing in me that did it. It was him that did it. Let me tell you about the Jesus who completely did the miraculous when I would have run back in the face of war to the people that enslaved me. In slavery, it's so crazy. If I, When I was working with girls coming out of trafficking, the statistics were seven times they will go back to their trafficker before they leave. At least seven times. And the life expectancy is so small that Jesus knew that we are wired to go back to our slave owners. Our brains as humans are wired without the blood of Jesus and the spirit of God in us. We are going to go back. And so when we're on a path that feels short or we've set a timeline, I felt like the Lord, even for some of us, he actually wants to remove time restraints. You've put a timeline like, by this time, I want to see this in my career. By this time, I'm going to have children. By this time, I'm going to go after adoption because that sounds like a good plan on paper. He actually is taking away time restraints because his leadership, as we've consecrated, remembered, celebrated, tell the stories of God, he's going to lead us to a place that actually we're going to be able to be equipped not for battle, but to see the miraculous happen. It's interesting that they were equipped for battle. They were equipped. They were in a mart. They weren't like, Where's the, where do we go? They were in an order of like, we are ready for battle. They were in whatever battle formation. Okay, that's how they were. And then the Lord said they were equipped for battle. And then what do they face next? 
the Red Sea. This is not like, okay, I'm going to through the streets. This is where the dependence on him to do the miraculous, the thing that we cannot do in our own capabilities. No degree, no um, success plan, no 10-year plan is actually going to do the thing that only he can do when we've surrendered and depended on him and his spirit to actually do the impossible. When we walk with God, it is a beautiful journey, but it is a faith filled of walking in impossibilities. And I feel like for us, if we have walked a journey of faith without facing the impossible, then we've allowed faith to be what we can do in our own strength and not actually what God can do. And what lasts for eternity and what's fruitful in eternity is what he can do through us, not what we can do. His leadership in our life is so kind that we can trust him. It's an opportunity for us to say, do we trust you, Jesus? Do we trust you? Because I really thought my life might look X, Y, and Z, and it doesn't. Do you trust him? His leadership is so kind, and it never left. Day or night, it never left them. He never left or forsake them. Why don't you guys stand? You can close your eyes, you can stare at me, whichever one you enjoy more. (laughs) I really felt God so significantly teaching us as a church, as a community, wherever you are in life. If you walked in here and you're like, who is this crazy lady and what is this about? There's a significant release of faith in the room for us to actually grab hold of as we watch what Jesus, what God laid out for the Israelites a consecrated life, consecrating the most sacred places, my hard-earned money, my beautiful professional career that I've worked since I was five years old for, my relationship status, my um, fill-in-the-blank, consecrate my dreams, my God-given dreams. Consecrate those. Watch what he does with it. It's so much better in his hand than in ours. He's the one that rescued and delivered us from slavery. Jesus paid the highest price, and he was enough, and his death and resurrection was enough for us to actually walk out the powerful call of God in our lives. Now give it to him. Give it back to him. Consecrate the sacred places. Watch what he does with it. Remember his words, and his ways. 400 years of slavery, and they needed some time to unravel that. You know, that took 10% of the time. Sometimes we walk through a year of hardship, and we're ready to throw in the towel, like, Jesus, I'm done with you. I need 10 years of counseling. And I'm not saying any of that's wrong, but actually what God is able to do in that amount of time, 10% of the time that their entire people group were in slavery, he was able to walk them out into deliverance. Jesus, if I gave you just a 10%, of the time that I think it's going to take you. What can you do with your spirit at work inside of me? 
I want to remember your word. Make your word in us so alive that actually when we're faced with impossibilities, the word of God would rise up inside of us. And that would be the way that we fight the impossibilities. Not with our 10-step plan, but with the word of God. Renewing our mind. Memorizing scripture is not being religious. It's knowing our need for his truth to be so written upon our hearts when we're faced with the impossibilities. We don't run back to our slave owners. Remembering his word allows me to run to him. It's a person. The word of God became flesh, Jesus Christ. Remembering his word is running to Jesus instead of our own bondage. God, would we be a people that remember your word, that we would may run to you. We want to run to you, Jesus. Help us to celebrate your faithfulness, God. You're worth celebrating. The things that you've done in our lives are worth celebrating. That the power of celebration would actually instill inside of us a hope, a faith, an expectation of more to come that is only better than we've ever, like the scripture, you will see far greater than anything else that Jesus did. You will see. Celebrate. Help us to celebrate Jesus. We want to tell your stories. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of poverty, addiction, self-sufficiency, death. With a mighty hand, he brought us out of that into glorious life. Thank you, God, for bringing us out of those places into abundant, glorious life. May we live in the now What's not yet there, the promise that we haven't seen, God, will we live now in expectation that you will do it. Faith in Jesus is walking in the impossible, being made possible with him, not in our own abilities to fight, but our ability to lean into his leadership, his spirit leading us. Sometimes that's going to look like a place that I'll surely drown in, without him and sometimes it's a place I've dreamt of my whole life and sometimes they're one and the same here lies the invitation for us to trust him we trust you we trust you yeah God I pray tonight even daylight still out God that you would bring light to us in our own hearts of what you're speaking and doing that we would carry this I pray God if we're in the wilderness season we're in the places of forgetting actually what he's done and having um, looking in front of us with uh, with only the lens of the hardships we're facing or the grief we're facing God I pray that you would encourage our spirits tonight to actually remember your faithfulness and your goodness and to depend depend on you to do the impossible. God, I pray for us in the room that are experiencing some abundant provision and celebration. I pray that we would be faithful to tell the stories. Remind us to tell the stories, God, that we would be a people that says, look what Jesus did. Look what he did. 
Look what he did when he brought salvation in my family. Look what he did when he blessed the business. Look what he did when he actually brought healing to sickness. Look what he did when he provided abundantly more than I could have hoped or imagined. Look what he did. Let's tell the stories. And Father, I pray that we would have a dependency on you in a way that we haven't known before. God, I ask for my own heart and any in the room that self-sufficiency would fall away, that it won't serve us where it's once felt like it has, God, that we'd actually learn and surrender to your spirit to know what it means to depend on you and your leading. We're just going to stay for a few minutes, but and Josh will come up and close. Just allow the Lord, if he's reminding you of things like he started with earlier in worship, when Josh said, recall, remember the places that he's rescued or saved you. And if you don't have a story that you can remember about who God is and how you've experienced him, at the end later, would you come find me or our team? We'd love to pray for you to encounter a Jesus that will change everything for you. But I felt like I just felt two words that I want to minister out of. And one, I feel like for you, Dorian, I feel like the timing of God to bring you even back. Um, how glorious he is to just grace us with your, I love that he brought you in here. Um, your face of friendship and just joy. But I felt like he was not changing his assignment about you. And he wanted to remind you, Dorian, the assignment on your life that he actually isn't changing the subject. I felt he was going to give you fresh wind, and even if it shifts and looks different than you thought, it might have looked like you were getting ready for battle or for this uh, life uh, circumstance in your career, that if it looks different, he hasn't changed his mind about you. I really feel like if you're around him, we're just going to extend our hands. God, I pray over Dorian right now. I pray that the areas that he's been walking in, faithfulness and steadfastness, God, I pray that you would encourage his spirit, that you have not changed the assignment on his life, that he actually was made to do the things he's seeing now, but actually um, surprise him in the ways that looks, God, in this next season. I pray that you would encourage him in this next season of the identity of his sonship, God, would be his greatest authority. That sonship, your sonship that you walk out, Dorian, is the greatest authority into the field that you're walking into. We bless you, Dorian. We thank you, God. You haven't changed your mind. You haven't changed your mind. And Father, I pray, I also felt, and you can hold your hand up or just put your hand on your heart, um, but I felt like there's people in this season, that there's a real grief of the season, and the Lord wants to meet you in the grief, but I felt like the Lord was also saying that the, the uh, season has shifted, and that there's places of you're remembering what he's done, but there's a celebration season that's coming for you, and that in your partnership with celebration, it's actually going to release a greater freedom and joy, where the enemy tried to steal and make you think that you would never experience joy like you once did, or you'll never experience the hope that you once did or the ways that you saw the Lord that the once did would fall away and that what's ahead is far greater than what has happened. It's far greater than what has happened. So if that's you, just put your hand on your heart. God, I bless them. I bless them to actually, for, for a seal almost to fall on them of uh, 
fresh season. This is a fresh season, a stamping of the Lord, that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that fresh joy is coming into the season. I pray laughter would be good medicine. I thank you, God, for blessing them. That they will see far greater than they've seen before. In Jesus' name. Yeah, let's just thank Ash. That was so good. Thanks. But before we're uh, before we close here, um, I'm gonna ask our prayer team. If you're a part of that team and you have a badge, come on up here. Um, we want to invite response. We want to invite you to actually respond to this word. If there's something that was stirring in you that you feel like you need prayer for, come on up. Uh, we'll leave this space open for a while for you to get prayer from some of these people. Um, before we're done, there's one more thing I want to, I was feeling the Lord saying, and this could be relate to one specific person, but as Ash was sharing about laying things down around uh, surrender to God, I felt like there might be some of us in the room, and I, I specifically saw this, like, parents' voices in our ears. And so if that's something that you've been battling with, where you're like, my parents, maybe it's a mother, maybe it's a father, they just don't understand my walk with God, and they don't know, and, and I can't step out. I can't, I can't give up A, B, or C, or I can't follow my heart in this area. Um, I feel like God just wants to, to set us free of that right now. So if everyone just closes their eyes, I know this is a very specific word and it may not relate to you, but let's just pray. Um, Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender to you, Lord. You are, you are our good father. And in this moment, Lord, I just ask that, that you would renew our minds, that you would speak to us the truth even beyond what we've heard from our parents. And they had good intentions and they love us and, and we can still honor them in this. But Lord, if you're leading us to step out into areas that they will misunderstand, God, we're, we're willing, we're gonna go. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. This is the Sunday Morning Podcast from The Table, Boston where you'll find the latest teachings from our Sunday meetings. Find more from us at thetableboston.com.